Hello and good day, my friends. Welcome to the Fantasy Hot Read Podcast, brought to you by FantasyHotRead.com. I'll be your host, Tyler Ojinski, and I'm joined by lead fantasy writer at FantasyHotRead.com, Dominic Petrillo. What's going on, Dom? Not too much. Just happy to be here with you again. We took a little bit of a break here. You had a, you know, you, well, your wife had a baby, so how's the new fatherhood going? Oh, hashtag dad life is treating me great. Yeah, I had, took a three-week hiatus from writing and fantasy football world. I, I usually consider myself pretty plugged in, and I was kind of out for two or three weeks, so I've been trying to get my way slowly back into things, but things are going really well. Baby's healthy, baby's home, trying to get some sleep here and there, but things are good. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, that's all that matters, that the baby's healthy and that the wife's healthy. That's right, and happy, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into today's segment, we got an interesting piece of breaking news. Um, New York Jets general manager Mike McCagnin has been fired, and Adam Case, the new coach, has been named the interim GM. So besides New York football teams being a complete mess, are we taking anything away, specifically for fantasy football, with the firing of the GM with the Jets here, Dom? I'm not taking away anything from the firing of him, although I just listened to an emergency podcast uh, by Michael Lombardi at the GM Shuffle, and I actually like that podcast. And he was saying that it's actually a good thing that uh, he's out and that he wasn't even making the decisions anyway. It was the vice president of of, uh, pro personnel that went with him. Hemmer uh, Hemmerdinger, or whatever his name was, was actually making the decisions that he was the pro guy and that McCagnin was actually a college guy and didn't really know anything. And he couldn't tell how either of them worked ever got up that high in a, but they did. So now luckily they're gone. Uh, the only thing I take out of here, and it's something that you don't really want to see is the first thing that Adam Gase, you know, in his first bid to destroy the team said was, I never liked Le'Veon Bell anyway. And I didn't want him here for that price. I wanted Tevin Coleman, you know, and then wow. the second, second thing he said was that CJ Mosley was overpaid. They never should have given him $17 million. He's only, yeah, he was more worth like $13 million and they never should have set the market with him. So when your two best players and best free agent signings of the offseason are the first two people that you attack, yeah, that may not be good things for your upcoming season and hopefully for his tenure there. I kind of hope he flames out there, but sorry yeah. to Henry. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> sorry, Henry. So the, the piece that I find interesting is that, you know, Adam Gase, you know, I think generally speaking, uh, he's not regarded as a very, you know, smart or good head coach, but with the critique he has for the signing of Le'Veon Bell, it appears that Adam Gase might be on the team of running backs don't matter. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously he traded a J. He wouldn't use Drake because he was using my boy Gore last year. You know, it just every turn he makes, he, you can it just proves that he doesn't like using high-powered running backs or good running backs. I mean, Tevin Coleman didn't get a lot of money he got what was it two years for five million or whatever but I'd still mm-hmm. rather have and I'm not even a Le'Veon Bell truther but I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell and his skill set in that offense compared to Tevin Coleman they do have I mean if they were tight on cap that's one thing but they had so much cap money this year that they needed to spend it so why not spend it on who is still a top five running back in the league most likely yeah I mean I, I guess the one thing the big takeaway I have not so much for fantasy is that it seems like Adam Gase with this mindset of, you know, running backs aren't that important. You can find a running back a diamond dozen. You don't need to spend that money. To me, it seems like maybe there's an ounce of competency in this gentleman when his competency has been in question in the past. And, you know, coming out to the public and saying that he didn't want to sign Le'Veon Bell for that price, do you think that might do anything to his fantasy stock? 
uh, it could it could show that he's really not going to use him as a bell cow because you know he thinks I don't want to. But in, in the other way, you never know with him because he says, well, we gave him all this money. I'm going to use him up and stuff. So in that case, it could raise the stock. But on the other hand, it's like I know that, you know, he knows I don't like him and I know I don't like him. So we're just going to like sit him and maybe instead of uh, Hartman or whatever his guy's name was, Hart, that went with as Mr. Irrelevant in our startup dynasty draft that we just did for the website. It should have been maybe Trenton Cannon or something, one of the backup running backs there coming in and doing the being the backup because he may actually get more play than you think he's going to. Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. But either way, I still think Le'Veon Bell is a top five, top six talent at running back. So I, th- I think the talent will, will work its way out and the story will kind of fall through the cracks as we move forward. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny to see that happen, but we'll see what happens in the future. I got a good feeling about Le'Veon Bell still. Um so moving forward here, as, as the dust has settled from free agency in the NFL draft, we've had time to kind of look at our players, do some projections. We're getting a very clear picture of what teams will look like in the 2019 season. Um, one of the things that we'll be going over today is our top five impact rookie players. So that's going to be talking about quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, so on and so forth, those fantasy impact positions. When we're looking at the five players that are most likely uh, rookies that are going to most likely impact fantasy teams what's the first guy that pops into your head Dom well I think just like in rookie dynasty drafts I think the top three are pretty much very easy to pick Uh, in this case I wouldn't put Miles Sanders in the top three but I think that obviously uh, Josh Jacobs is in there with the perfect landing spot he got obviously Kyler Murray's in there and the third one I would put is David Montgomery coming into a perfect situation in Chicago. Those three, I think, are definitely the one, two, three as being able to have some fantasy value this year. Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree. Let's let's jump into these guys one at a time. Looking at Josh Jacobs, um, he's a first round running back. You know, usually first round draft capital carries some weight. We learned the hard way, Rashad Penny, that that's not absolute. Um, but a first round pick's got to mean something. And then Marshawn Lynch is retiring. Um, Isaiah Crowell was a free agent signing by the Raiders. He tore his Achilles. It seems like things are really falling into place for Josh Jacobs to, to, I don't know, be a bell cow, but, you know, definitely have some value this year. Where, where do you rank Josh Jacobs, or what do you think his, out, his outlook is going into 2019? I think he could for sure be a bell cow backup because he, I know he didn't get much usage last year. He had 180 total touches last year, but he did have some, you know, he had obviously the rushes he had, but he also had some catches, which a lot of, people don't understand and I in you know in the NFL we're taught when we talk about people with a lot of catches at their running back position or yeah the running back position you think of David Johnson with 80 or 100 catches you think of you know McCaffrey last year with over 100 catches Le'Veon Bell with 90 catches things like that it's not that way in college even the best pass catchers didn't get that usage in college so he only he had 20 to 30 catches which it for college though that's good and that's the same thing that you know David Montgomery was having that people say oh he's not a He's not a three-down back. He only had 20 catches last year. But they're say- on the other hand, they're saying Josh Jacobs can definitely have that because he had 20 catches last year. So it's kind of like you know two sides of one coin. You can't do that. But I do think he's going to be a bell cow back there. He can for sure be a three-down back. Yeah, the opportunity is definitely there. He had I think Lynch averaged 18 carries through his first six games. Doug Martin averaged 14.5 carries through games eight through 17. So there is a role on the Oakland Raiders to be a bell cow, but Josh Jacobs himself has never really been a bell cow. 
I think he's had only 12 carries or more three times in his entire career since high school. Is that a good indication of what he can do in the pros? But is there some concern that, you know, Jalen Richard might have a larger role specifically in the pass game? Or do you really think that Josh Jacobs takes everything over and guys like Doug Martin um, aren't even a, a factor whatsoever? Well, I think Doug Martin is just going to be the backup to Josh Jacobs. I think that Jalen Richard will have some usage in the pass game still. They're not going to take it totally away from him because he is great at that aspect. But I do think that, for the most part, Josh Jacobs is going to be the main guy here. He could be a three-down back. Or if it is a committee, it's going to it's not going to be a you know 55-45 committee. It's going to be more of a 70-30 committee where I still think he's going to finish as a top 20 to 24 running back at the end of the year in that offense where we know John Gruden just wants to pound the ball. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, if we're talking about Josh Jacobs taking in the first round, stepping into a role that there's really no one there, finishing as a low-end RB2, sounds good to me. Moving to the next guy, David Montgomery. Not as clear as the Josh Jacobs is in Oakland. He's replacing Jordan Howard, who was traded away. But Tariq Cohen is still there. He's still a playmaker. He's still the passing down guy. And they also signed Mike Davis, who's also a pretty well-rounded running back himself. It doesn't really appear that there's much of a role for David Montgomery. If he just took the Jordan Howard role, let's say, that's, I think, like an RB20, RB24, you know, kind of opportunity. Is that what we're looking for for David Montgomery? Are you seeing more here for him to succeed on the Bears? I see a lot more for him. I just think that obviously Jordan Howard, his role was just running the ball, whereas he could not catch the ball to save his life. David Montgomery does have the ability to catch the ball. He had, you know, uh, he had 20 uh, catches each of the past two years in Iowa State. He was a monster. He had tons of rushes. He's not one of these guys like Josh Jacobs who barely got to play. He got over 250 touches each year of the past two years. And I think he can continue to do that. Obviously, everybody likes Tariq Cohen, but I think right now the only player smaller in the NFL than Tariq Cohen might be Hollywood Brown. He's just he's not going to be able to run the ball. He's going to be there for pass catches. He could get into, like we were talking about with Jacobs, into that Jalen Richard role. I think that's pretty much what he's at. And I think this really does just bomb the value for Mike Davis in Chicago. I think that he's going to be almost an afterthought at this point, unless there is an injury in training camp and one of them goes down. Then you can see something from Davis. But otherwise, this is going to be... Montgomery Cohen and pretty much that's it and I would actually possibly I like uh Jacobs over Montgomery or excuse me I like Montgomery over Jacobs and I think he could has a, a potential to finish even a little bit higher than Jacobs does this year in the because I think his team's going to be a lot better they're going to be in a lot more games and they're going to know how to use him I think Matt Nagy knows how to use him and that being said he's he could finish in the 15 to 20 area for running backs this year, maybe even higher, depending on his cap, uh, pass catching numbers. So, you know, I think for me to definitely say that Montgomery is going to finish, um, you know, possible high end RB two. I really think there either needs to be no role for Mike Davis or an injury somewhere. You know, I definitely think that I see Montgomery taking those 250 rushes away that Jordan Howard got that feels pretty safe to me where I don't really see is I don't see the role for him in the past game. I mean, Tariq Cohen's an 80, 90 target guy. If he's healthy, they have Taylor Gabriel, they have Allen Robinson, they have Anthony Miller. I mean, all those guys could easily get 80 targets apiece if they're all playing and healthy. And then if Mike Davis is in there getting any kind of targets, he got 42 last year in Seattle it, it, it just it's tough for me to kind of find 
30 or 40 targets for Montgomery next year to bring him to that next level. So I think that would be my only concern with David Montgomery. Yeah, you do have to be careful with any rookie running back and knowing what they're going to get. Everybody was high on Penny last year. They thought he was going to get a ton of work, and it ended up not happening. And we could have the same thing with Jacobs. We could have the same thing with you know Miles Sanders with Philadelphia as well, now that Howard is there. But I do think they are going to make more role for him because I think they're going to want to keep Tariq Cohen healthy and on the field, so they're going to limit him. And I just, like I said, this really takes away from what – any value Mike Davis might have had coming over. I think that he's going to be down into maybe maybe four or five touches a game if he's lucky. That's fair. Yeah, like you said, he's, he's worth a pickup. It's worth to see what happens, especially if there's some kind of injury. He's going to be the bell cow guy. And, I mean, the Bears offense is trending up. Things are looking good. So I'm totally with you being one of the top uh, rookies to look for in drafts. The next guy on the list is going to be Kyler Murray, the first pick going to the Cardinals, going to be meeting back up with Cliff Kingsbury, the new coach there. What are we making of Kyler Murray in Arizona? Oh, I love Kyler Murray in this offense. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury wanted him. He wanted him when he was in college. He didn't go there. He wanted him in the NFL draft, and he finally was able to get him, pride him away from baseball. He already signed a guaranteed $35 million contract, which means he's not going anywhere. So he's going to be there for at least two or three years, even if he flames out. And I just love him this year with his accuracy, with his strong arm, uh, with his athleticism, with his rushing ability. You know, this is the guy that Stephen A. Smith should have been talking about, you know, not Dwayne Haskins. But I just think that being in here, it's going to be a way better offense. I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to have a bounce back. David Johnson is going to have a bounce back. That whole offense is going to bounce back, even though they didn't really spend any capital on the offensive line like they should have. I think just his athleticism compared to Rosen is going to be able to help this offensive line, even in their struggles. And I, he can easily finish as a top fifth, top 12 to 15 quarterback at the end of the year, just based on his rushing potential and his accuracy. I mean, I, I totally agree. And while the college and pro are two complete different beasts, he threw for 4,300 yards last year with 42 touchdowns and 1,000 rushing yards and 12 TDs. Is he going to repeat that? Absolutely no way. But let's just say he threw for 3,500 yards, 25 TDs, had 600 rushing yards, and say five rushing TDs. That puts him around the QB 12 range, and I sincerely think that that is more than doable. And I think that he has an opportunity to go above that. So when we're talking about drafting a quarterback late in drafts that has an opportunity to be a top six guy, I think Kyler Murray fits the bill. Oh, absolutely. I mean, coming in. Everybody knows how athletic he is. Last year, nobody thought that Josh Allen was athletic, and he finished with 641 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, and I think one thing that is interesting to me is the the pace of play that Cliff Kingsbury is known for. In his six years as a head coach at Texas Tech, um, twice in those six years, Texas Tech ranked first in the entire nation in plays per game. In three of those other six years, they were top ten. They also had a ton of explosive plays. So let's just say for the, the sake of um, explosive plays, it's 15-plus yard plays. 10% of the plays he ran since 2014 were 15-plus yards. Do I expect that to happen again next year? No, but what it means to me is they're going to be running a lot of plays and they're going to be looking for deep shots. And I think that – and or deep shots and big plays. So I think that really lends itself to Kyler Murray's game, and I think the upside is there. And if you're looking at late-round QBs, he's the guy. Oh, I, I agree. All right. Um, the next guy I wanted to touch on was Nikhil, Nikhil Harry. I think I've called him Keneal Harry probably 20 times, but it's Nikhil Harry drafted by the Patriots. You got any thoughts on Harry here, Dom? 
I think a lot of it, I mean, he was the most well-rounded, I think, running or wide receiver coming into this draft. Everybody loved him coming out of Arizona State. He went to the perfect place for it. I know Tom Brady's getting old, but he's still going to be there for probably at least another year or two. And talking about this year, I just, he can be, for sure be a red zone threat. He's, you know, six foot two, 228 pounds. He's going to be a monster down there. Now they don't have Gronk. He's obviously not the same size as Gronk. He's, I don't think he's going to be as good as Gronk, even though it's a different position, but he does give them that big buy they need down there, especially if Josh Gordon doesn't come back. And I do like him. He could easily finish as a top 36 wide receiver this year and possibly in the top 30, depending on how things go. Yeah. I think there's a couple things that really draw me to Nikhil Harry this year. First off, Bill Belichick has never drafted wide receiver in the first round. Um, you know, that's a narrative, obviously, but at the same time, it means something. They, they saw something in the guy. They wanted to draft him. They took him in the first round. Again, talking about draft capital. There's a need for a big body pass catcher with the with the Gronk departure. And Harry was a pretty successful 50-50 ball winner. In fact, I think he had 17 contested catches in the 2018 season, good enough for seventh in the nation. So he's proven that he can get up, go up and get it. And that's definitely going to be needed on, on the Patriots next year for those red zone opportunities. And the question remains is, is he going to be able to carve out a role outside of the red zone? And one of the things that really draws me to him is there's 14.4 vacated targets per game that means there's 14 targets up for grabs per game with the departure of Gronk Hogan and presumably Gordon so there's room for a player to step up yes there's other players that were signed in New England they got Demarius Thomas uh, I think Maurice Harris they got him from the Redskins they got Austin Safarian Jenkins Uh, they got Watson who retired and came back to play so there's definitely going to be some players But if he's going to be used in the red zone and he's going to be able to get you six to eight targets a game, you know, he's worth pulling the trigger on in those later rounds for that upside, even though rookie wide receivers tend to not really produce. Uh, I absolutely agree. And just watch. I know I know it's out there everywhere and I'm going to say it as well. I think by week six, Gronk will be back and that'll even do better things for McKeel Harry because he won't have to worry about being that big guy down low. He can just concentrate on learning the routes and everything, and that can make him even better. Gronk coming back would be absolutely insane, but it's definitely not out of the question. Uh, one of the other rookies I wanted to touch on here was Miles Sanders. What, what do you feel about Miles Sanders here? Obviously, he's going to be that guy that's fighting with Jordan Howard for carries. I think Miles Sanders can do it. I mean, everybody says, oh, he didn't start barely as a college, but in college, but even after being a five-star recruit. But when he came in, he was sitting behind Saquon Barkley, you know, there's one of the could be a generational talent, you know, looking like it so far after one year. And if that's if he's sitting behind him and that's it, then, you know, you can't really expect him to beat out somebody like that. Yeah. So coming last year, he had thirteen hundred rushing yards at when it was his turn. He doesn't have quite the hands that Saquon Barkley does, but he's still a pretty good pass catcher. And I just think that he is going to take over the role there. They're going to see that they don't really need to use as much as a committee as they normally do. Uh Howard will be there, obviously, Jordan Howard. They only gave up a fifth-round pick for him, though, and this is his last year on his contract. So they can just they can use him when they need to, but when it comes down to actually needing to get the a third down back or a three down back, I think Darren Sproles is pretty – I love Darren Sproles, but he's pretty much done right now. Corey Clement was a great in the Super Bowl year, and everybody loved him then, but he's kind of just a jag. So I, I think it's good. this is going to be Miles Sanders' backfield by the end of the year with just a little bit from Jordan Howard. I'm not going to have him as high as – Josh Jacobs, because I do think that Carson Wentz is going to be throwing the ball a lot more than Derek Carr is, but I do see him being in the top, you know, 30 running backs at the end of the year. 
Yeah, I don't think I completely agree with his, you know, being the the top guy at the end of the season. I'm not really high on Miles Sanders for the 2019 season. I think he's a great dynasty grab. I think he's got a great outlook in the 2020 season. But it's there's just too many miles to feed with Jordan Howard, Clement, Smallwood, Sproles. And the, the Eagles are one of the most notorious running backs by committee teams out there. I think over the last three years, they've never had a running back with over 37% of the rushing share. Does Miles Sanders, you know, come in and break that and that RB, the RBBC thing? You know, it's a possibility, but I'm not willing to bet on it. You know, if you want to take a shot at him in later rounds, great. But for me, I'm more so looking at Miles Sanders in 2020. Yeah, the only thing that I, I mean, I do understand what you're saying there, and I do definitely think he's better in Dynasty than he is in Redraft. Uh, the only thing is, in my opinion, is I think that they have been using the RBCC because they don't have one guy there that they can actually count on for everything, and I, they're hoping that they have that in Miles Sanders. I mean, Doug Peterson does come from the Andy Reid tree, and Andy Tree is Andy Reid is known for using one guy, and I think that if they find that one guy and if they think Miles Sanders is it, then they're going to try and make him that. We'll have to see. Another one of the rookies that has some potential is going to be Paris Campbell, Ohio State wide receiver, got drafted to the Colts. I think the big thing there is there really isn't an established wide receiver, two on the Colts. The Colts got Andrew Luck. They got a great offensive line. I expect their offense to be in the top 10 this year. And to be a wide receiver, two in a top 10 offense, that there's going to be some fantasy impact there. There's a role that has seven to nine targets per game and it's probably either going to be Funchess or it's going to be Campbell and you know I'm not a huge Funchess guy I don't think he's that great and I think Paris Campbell could end up um, you know taking that wide receiver wide receiver two slot on the Colts when it comes to landing spots this is one of the most ideal ones of the draft for me I agree the only problem I see with Campbell is the fact that Last year, his yards per catch was 4.5. It, it just if, if that's going to be mm-hmm. the case, you know, that's almost like Mike Evans bad, you know. Yep. Just, I know I know Mike Evans goes down the field, but it's just like, you know, stop, drop, and roll when you catch the ball. And he just does that on a shorter field than Mike Evans does. And that's the same. I just don't like those guys that, you know, only get four and a half yards per catch. That's, that's just terrible. And I know a lot of it was with Haskins, who had a great completion percentage, but that's because that's what he was known for, was just throwing the short intermediate ball. And that's what they did with him and with Scary Terry. But in the NFL, that's not going to work. And Luck's going to have to try and spread it out. And he's gonna he's still going to go to Hilton. Obviously, that's going to be there. They're still going to use Devin Funches. They brought him in for $12 million this year. And I know it's only a one-year contract, but they want to see what they have there. So they're going to get him. So I think that he's fully entrenched as the wide receiver three. I think he could push Funches for the two, like you're saying. But I think right now he is entrenched as the wide receiver three. And then the, the last guy I have, as far as rookies are concerned, is another wide receiver, Mecole Hardman. So this, to me, is more so about opportunity and less about the guy himself. Like, his college production really not that great? You know, what does he have going for him? 4-3-3, really fast guy. But if we're assuming that there's going to be a lengthy suspension for Tyreek Hill, you know, Chris Conley is gone, the Chiefs don't have much for wide receiver depth. I think Hardman would have to beat um, – What's what's the uh, help me out here? De, De Mar- is it Demarcus Robinson? I believe is the mm-hmm. other wide receiver. Yep. So he, he has to beat Demarcus Robinson for the wide receiver two slot. You know, there's a, like ten targets per game up for grabs, and you know it's more so he's associated with Andy Reid, one of the top offensive minds in the NFL, and Pat Mahomes, in arguably one of the best fantasy quarterbacks. So 
it to me it just seems like wow i'm not a huge fan of this guy the chiefs are and his opportunity is one of the best that we see do you have any value or do you see any um success in hardman's future that, in 2019 season i do and again i don't think it's because of talent i think there's some players you can you think they're going to be great because of talent whether you you know with talking about Jacobs or whoever you want to talk about there, Kyler Murray. I think with him, like you said, it's just totally based on opportunity. And if Tyreek does get finally suspended, which, you know, he should, then he definitely, he will for sure have that opportunity. And if he can make the most of it, then he could get up to, you know, 60 or 70 catches for a thousand yards and maybe six or seven touchdowns. Yep. So that's all the rookies I had us going over. You know, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery is the top running back options. We're looking at Kyler Murray late and happy to take Nikhil Harry, um, Paris Campbell, Michael Hardman late. You're a little bit bigger fan of Miles Sanders. I like him a little more in 2020. Is there anybody else you want to touch on here as far as the rookies go for 2019? Just one. I know tight ends usually take a long time to pan out, but Joe Flacco loves the tight end almost as much as he loves his wife. And we know this and he's made, you know, tight end ones out of Todd Heap, Dennis Pitta, you know, almost Mark Andrews last year as a rookie. So really look out for Noah Fant this year. I might actually have him in my top 10 when the rankings come out to start, even though he's a rookie, I just think he's going to be great. He's very athletic. I know a lot of people love the blocking of who's of uh, TJ, uh, the other Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't get fantasy points for blocking and Noah Fant doesn't block. He's going to be the receiving. He's going to be a receiving guy in Denver. And I can see him getting into the top 10, especially in a lackadaisical tight end class. No, absolutely. I think there could be some value there with Fant, especially if the tight end position is uh, as putrid as it was last year. Now that we got the rookies out of the way, I want to talk about a couple guys that Dom and I think are going to be bounce back candidates. So basically, they didn't really have much of a season or much success last year due to injury, due to situation. Maybe it was just a down year, but we think there's going to be some improvement from 2018 to 2019. The first guy on this list is David Johnson. So Dom, talk to me about David Johnson. Well, obviously, he had a terrible year last year. He ruined everybody's fantasy teams. You know, that's why he finishes the rb10 in you know ppr scoring you know he didn't have a very bad year last year but every when he was being taken as number one two or three everybody expected a lot more from him nobody could have done anything with that offense they had there with mike mccoy with steve wilkes with the you know the either the rookie rosen or sam bradford a quarterback behind a terrible offensive line there was nothing going on there and he just had no chance of doing anything he still had a lot of catches though he still had over 50 catches last year that's going to go up a lot this year in the air raid offense i know mike leach loves using the running back in the air raid offense they get tons of catches tons of rushes and cliff kingsbury comes directly from that mike leach tree so it's going to be the same thing here he's i think he'll get back up to the 85 to 90 receptions get close to Christian McCaffrey. He's going to get over, you know, 12, 1300 yards receiving. He could end up in the Todd Gurley arena with touchdowns. He could have 17 to 20 touchdowns at the end of the year. I just, I'd love David Johnson more than most people this year. Um, I have him right now at number five in my rankings. I could possibly move him up even higher to three or four. I just, if it weren't for, you know, Kamara or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley and uh, McCaffrey, he would be higher than that. But I think I just can't put him any higher than that. But so he's firmly at my number five, though, and I, I just love him this year as a bounce back, and he could easily break that 2,000 scrimmage yard threshold. 
No, I, I have to agree with you. I think most people listening to this will be hearing from two, two of the biggest David Johnson truthers out there because I agree with all your points. And I think the one thing that I mentioned earlier that um, people are forgetting is like he finished RB10 and I think the Cardinals were ran the second least offensive place last year. That is not going to be the case. I could easily see the Cardinals in, in top 10 as far as plays go. So just from a pure volume perspective, there's going to be a lot more volume for David Johnson. So even if like things were as bad as they were last year, if you just add in that volume, David Johnson's finishing around that seven range. So things are going to get better. And I firmly have David Johnson as RB five. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, even if it's, yeah, they had they played around 60 uh, snaps per game last year. If they get up to 85 or 90, you figure 85, that's 25 more snaps. And you figure he's going to at least get five or six of those minimum, maybe even 10. So just with that there, like you said, he's that's easily he would be seven, even maybe six last year. So that's going to be a lot higher this year. Yeah, I mean, there were some best ball drafts I was doing where I was getting David Johnson like at the end of the second round. So I'm thinking that's going to be one of the better steals there. But, you know, come come August, I fully expect David Johnson to be right smack dab in the middle of that first round. Absolutely. He'll be back where he was a couple of years ago. Maybe not quite at one or two, but he'll be up in the middle of the first round again. And one of the bounce back players for me, which will come as no surprise, is Devonta Freeman. You know, I look at the guy and there's some recency bias around him because he got hurt last year, only played two games. So he's being drafted in the third round around that RB 15 range, but Tevin Coleman's gone. And now this is going to be Devonta Freeman's backfield. And he is a bona fide running back one, 2015 full season, finished RB one, 2016 full season, RB six, 2017. He only played 14 games, but it was RB 13 if you extrapolate that to a full season, he was RB11. So whenever he plays a full season, he's in the top 12 or top 11 in this case. So And then add on top of that, Tevin Coleman being gone, and I don't really see Edo Smith as much of a threat. And then when we're looking at those years, the 2015, 2016, 2017... Devonta Freeman only had, he never saw more than 55% of the touches. So he's an elite running back and he doesn't even see elite volume. He's being treated as a high to mid range RB2. And I think he's a rock solid low end RB1 with some serious upside to finish in the top six if things go his way. So I'm really looking, I can, I can currently get Freeman around the RB3 range. And if he's going to be, you know, my RB1, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I do like him as well. The only thing that, you know, obviously you have to worry about with him is the injury. So as long as they said his MCL is going to is perfectly fine. It's just the PCL that's going to be hindering him this year. You know, that's not as serious. So we're good with there. We're good with that. Hopefully he can come back now with Dirk Cutter coming back as offensive coordinator. He's going to, you know, Matt Ryan's going to love that system there. They got the two offensive linemen in the first round of the draft, Lindstrom and Geary that they're going to use. And Gary, as much as a bad pass blocker as he is, he's a great run blocker. And with that being said, with Lindstrom, they're they're both going to help that line that was just decimated last year by injuries, just like their whole team was. So it's going to be very good for him. It's going to be very, very good for Matt Ryan. It's going to be very good for the Falcons. And I can for sure see him finishing in the top 12 and running back at the end of the year. I currently don't have him quite that high. I think I have him at 14 or 15. But if he finished top 10, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, like I said, he's, you can get him in the third round and if – He's the R and he, he can totally be an RB one. So if you wanted to start say wide receiver, wide receiver, and then going to Freeman, it looks pretty good to me. That's what I did. 
<laughs> another another bounce back guy uh, for you is going to be Carson Wentz. Talk about Carson Wentz for me a little bit here. Didn't really have much of a 2018 season, but had a stellar 2017 season. What are we going to see out of Wentz now? As long as Wentz is healthy, and I think he is. I mean, he's still saying that he's not quite back yet from his fractured back. But if he when he does finally make it back and for training camp and for preseason, as long as he's healthy, it's and it's kind of hard to call a bounce back for somebody who was injured. But, you know, I have to do it because I just I love him this year. I have him a lot higher than most people. I have him in my top eight this year already. I think he's number seven right now. And most people have him right now. They're having him at 12, 13, 14, just because they don't know what's going to happen. I'm fully convinced that he is going to be back. He has Alshon Jeffrey. He has J.J. Arcega Whiteside there now to help with Alshon Jeffrey. They both have the same size. He's going to be learning from him. Uh, I don't know how much longer they're going to have Aguilar there. He may stick around for another year until his fifth-year option kicks in, then they'll get rid of him. He may not be there, but now he has that deep threat they were looking hoping for last year with Mike Wallace before he got injured. Now they have Deshaun Jackson for at least one or two more years, and he's still one of the fastest guys in the league despite being 32 years old. He's got one of the top three tight ends with Zach Ertz, and he's got another great tight end that's coming up that could even be a top 15 tight end at the end of the year in Dallas Godard. So I just I love their offense this year. They have to worry about their rushing game. Obviously, we talked about Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders earlier with the rookies. But I think that both uh, with Miles Sanders, he can catch the ball. They're going to have Sproles there catching the ball as well, some. And Clement, that was a little bit from Smallwood. So between all the guys that are going to be catching the balls there and not really a whole lot of guys running the ball, he's going to have a monster number of attempts, and that should just propel him up high enough. And he's very accurate as well, especially on the deep ball. So I can see him getting to 35 touchdowns and you know 10 or 12 interceptions by the end of the year very easily. Yeah, I think it's a pretty... Um... For me, it's a pretty obvious bounce back. I think he finished um, QB 22 last year. I think he would have finished QB 18 if you're looking at a per-game average. And the way that the offense is set up with the tight ends, the wide receivers, like you said, the the addition of DJX, the the running backs, like it, it it's set up for this guy to succeed. And for him to bounce into the top 12 is almost like a no-brainer for me. Um, if things go the right way for Carson Wentz, how high do you think he could finish the season? As far uh, as well, RB ranks. Yeah, and well, in the quarterback ranks, I know he missed. Ranks, yeah. yeah, he missed the last uh, two weeks or three weeks of 2017, and I believe he still finished as quarterback four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on pace to be one. I don't think he's going to finish one, although I don't think it's going to be Holmes either. Uh, but I can see him finishing top, probably before maybe four or five would be his peak because I think that there's just between Luck, Rogers, Mahomes, and Mayfield. I think one of those four are going to finish in the top three. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Kyler Murray, but people like Wentz is just another reason to hold off on the quarterback's position for a little bit. Another quarterback we want to talk about here is Kirk Cousins. Finished QB 13 last year. We're looking a little bit of improvement here for Kirk Cousins, or what do you think Kirk Cousins' outlook is for 2019? Well, now they have the the new offense coordinator in there. They got rid of Filippo halfway through the year. I just think that it's going to be tough because I think they're going to want to run the ball a lot more. So they're going to use Delvin cook, but obviously we know he also has great hands out of the backfield. So he's going to catch a lot of passes. He could get you 70 to 80 receptions. I think this year Uh, between that, between I think Kyle Rudolph may be done there, but I do like Irv Smith going there between uh, Stefan Diggs had 102 receptions last year. Uh, Adam, he finishes the, I believe the running back or excuse me, the wide receiver 13 last year. Phelan finished in the top 10 last year. I think if they do that again this year, which they should, then he's got to go higher this year. I think the touchdowns are going to improve. Uh, they finally improved the offensive line through the draft. They really needed to do that as well, just like we talked about, you know, before. 
with the other with Arizona. Unfortunately, they didn't do it, but Minnesota did and Atlanta did. So I can see him moving up somewhere into the around the eight to ten range. At he should finish with, I would say probably thirty touch, maybe twenty eight to thirty touchdowns and you know forty four hundred yards somewhere around the range that he was finishing in with Washington before he got traded or before he got signed last year by Minnesota. Yeah, so he had 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year and finished QB 13. But the most interesting part of that is is the difference between QB 4 and QB 13 last year was only two points um, you know, per game average. So it's it's there's a, there's a not much distance between like the the top tier and then that like there's the top tier like the you know top three quarterbacks, but then the rest of the guys, it's a pretty wide range and if one guy goes off for a couple games, He'd go up there, and like you said, Kirk Cousins is in his position to succeed. So another guy got a lot of upside, great late-round grab. Yeah, absolutely. Just like uh, what was a couple, two or three years ago when uh, Big Ben had those two games where I think it was two games in a row where he had like 500 yards and six mm-hmm. touchdowns. You know, if Kirk Cousins has something like that, then he could end up finishing as like the QB3 instead of QB13. Another bounce back candidate for me is going to be Golden Tate. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this before, and I know you agree. Golden Tate finished as a wide receiver 31 last year, and I don't see that happening again. I mean, this is a guy who year after year was getting you 90 receptions for at least 1,000 yards, always in the top five in yards after the catch. Actually, he was first in yards after the catch, I think, three of the last five years. And he's walking into a pretty good situation that had – um, Odell Beckham Jr. departing. I believe that there's like a 25% of the targets in the, at the Giants have been vacated. Um, you know, I really think this is going to push Sterling Shepard to the outside. While I don't think that's great for Sterling Shepard, I think that puts Golden Tate in the best position to succeed as a wide receiver on the Giants, especially with the noodle arm of Eli Manning um, and those like kind of short passes for Golden Tate to take pretty far. I just don't see a situation if Golden Tate's playing 16 games where he falls out of the top 24. Um, do you agree with Golden Tate assessment here? I, I do like him there. He's not obviously he's not fast. We all know that, but you know Shepard's not fast either. But like as you said, he still gets that yard after the catch like nobody's business. So I think this move actually of Odell Beckham, if you want to say the move of Odell Beckham going to Cleveland, I think really helps two players there. And one is Golden Tate, and the other one's going to be Evan Ingram. I think is going to have a fantastic year also and could finish in the top five in tight ends. Yeah, I think I'll have Evan Ingram uh, at, at five, actually, looking at some of my rankings, because there's a pretty stark difference in his statistics with and without Odell Beckham Jr., and the sample size is large enough for me, for me to be pretty comfortable saying that Ingram could finish around that five spot. Yeah, absolutely. Another bounce-back candidate of yours is Jarvis Landry. Talk to me about Jarvis Landry and how he's going to bounce back. Well, he has to bounce. He's going to go back into the slot where he belongs. You know, he... The last two years in Miami, he led the league in receiving, you know, uh, with receptions. I just think he he's not going to do that again this year, I don't think. But just because I think Odell's going to have a lot more, you know, catches than the other guys that in Miami did. But I think they're both going to get over 90 receptions. They could even both get over 100 receptions. Obviously, he'll have less yardage because he's going to be the slot guy. But he they tried to put him out, out wide last year, and it didn't work out well at all. Uh, they But they had to leave him there at the end of the year. But even Freddie Kitchens... And Greg Williams knew at the end of the year that he didn't belong there, but they didn't have anybody else to put out there. So between him and Odell Beckham, they're just going to be a, I think, you know, they should be, I know a lot of people say, oh, this team could have the best one-two punch in in the league. I I honestly think that between Landry and Beckham could be the best one-two receiver in the entire league this year. Uh, When you look at, you know, strictly at numbers between touchdowns 
yeah, uh, yardage and receptions. I think they could lead. They could run the triple crown there and just do great, especially with Baker Mayfield being in his second year now, being as accurate as he is, and having Kareem Hunt when he comes back in that backfield along with Nick Chubb. They're just you're not going to be able to concentrate on one part of this team. You're going to have to try and stop the whole team, and you're not going to be able to do it. And he, Jarvis Landry, he's going to have a great year, and he could easily finish as a top 20 wide receiver with Odell Beckham finishing as possibly number one or number two at the end of the year. And my issue with Jarvis Landry is he's always needed an insane amount of volume to be productive. I think he had 149 targets last year, seventh in the league, only finished wide receiver 18. The year before that, he was he had 161 targets, fourth in the league. He did finish wide receiver seven that year. And then 2016, he had 131 targets, 15th in the league, finished wide receiver 14. You know, he, he's been a guy that's continually got it done, but he's always needed, um, you know, like top 15 volume to, you know, get that wide receiver to sometimes rare wide receiver one status. And I just don't see a world with Odell Beckham Jr., Chubb, Duke Johnson, Joku, even Callaway and Higgins, where he's going to command, you know, up into that 130 to 140 target range, which he's historically needed to finish within the top 20. So, you know, let's say he gets 110 targets, you know, the way that things look with Jarvis, that seems like he's going to finish in that wide receiver 25 to 30 range. Like he's needed that volume. Do you think there's just going to be a, you know, increase of, of efficiency of those targets for Jarvis Landry? Uh, that's actually exactly what I think because they have Odell Beckham there. They have Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson, like you were saying, and Kareem Hunt, and even in Joku and Higgins and Callaway. I just think that they're going to be spread out all over the field so much that he's usually, usually he gets, like we were saying, like 107, 108 catches, but he gets it for maybe four or five touchdowns. I think the touchdowns could go up to eight or nine. And I think his yards per catch is going to go up probably two or three yards this year compared to what his career average is. No doubt. And I think um, we got one last guy on this list for a bounce back player. Um, interestingly enough, you have LaShawn McCoy on here. So what do you think of what's going to happen with LaShawn McCoy this year? Is he going to stay in the bills and, you know, improve? He had RB 38, I think, where he finished last year. So he could easily improve on that. But what are you thinking about as far as McCoy and bounce back? Well, he was just he was obviously terrible last year. I mean, when you are the second leading rusher on your team to the quarterback and the quarterback wasn't even supposed to run the ball. That's just pretty bad. I mean, he had less than 500 yards rushing last year. We we know how great he can be. He is going to be on the Buffalo bills this year. Cause they're not going to cut him for the $9 million. It's not a big deal to them. They have the cap space. Uh, they, they're going to want him in there with Frank Gore. Cause they don't want to rely right now on Singletary for the future. Obviously he, he's probably going to be the guy in 2020 and going forward after that. But for this year, they're going to want to have McCoy in there. They got the, they brought in six new offensive linemen. Four of them are going to be starters this year, so they totally revamped that offensive line. It's got to be better than it was last year. They're going to want Jared Allen to not run quite as much as he did last year when he had almost 90 rushes for 641 yards. They're going to give a lot of those rushes to McCoy most likely, and he, like we said, he does have that pass-catching-down ability as well. So I can see him getting back up. I don't think he's ever going to get back up to the top 10 like he used to be, but I can see him at least being respectable and being – a wider uh, running back too at the end of the year. Do you, I know I've, I've been hearing some whispers, not so much from anybody credible, but more so analysts thinking that there's a chance that McCoy gets cut or McCoy gets traded. What would you say um, the chances are of that happening? Uh, I think there's more of a chance that he gets cut than traded because at $9 million, he's not going to, 
Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a lot of teams Agreed. that want to do him. It, you know, unless somehow uh, Gase trades Le'Veon Bell to Buffalo for him because he's cheaper. Okay. But, uh, you know, but other than that, I don't think it's going to happen. And even I don't think that Gase is that stupid. So I don't think he's going to be traded anywhere. If he does get cut, that's a possibility for anybody. But I don't see that happening either because it is he has $9 million against the cap this year. And like I said, they do have the money to do that, but they're not going to want to waste $9 million when they could get one more year out of him. He's not that old. He's only 31 right now. So, well, he's old for running backs, but he's not as old as Frank Gore. And they're not going to, like I said, they're not going to want to just lean on Frank Gore, Singletary and TJ Yeldon. So I, I think he'll be there and he'll be the lead guy in that backfield. It may not be as much as everybody wants, but I think it'll be enough to get him in the top 24. All right. I like that. Um, I think that does it for our bounce back players. Is there anything else out there you want to talk about, Tom? Uh, no, I think we had a good show. It was good to be back again and can't wait to do another one. That's right. It's definitely good to be back. So, everyone, please check out thefantasyhotread.com. We got new content coming up weekly, and that content will ramp up as we get closer to the season. I can be found on Twitter at FFTylero, and Dominic can be found at EnvisionFF. That's all for now. Signing off. Don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. Like the pine trees lining the winding road I've got a name I've got a name Like the singing bird and the croaking toad I've got a name